I'm so appreciative of Jane. Every time she comes here, she releases a, a proper word in season. And she released the Watchman Prophet word, similar to what Chuck released back in October. Last Sunday morning, I began unpackaging that Watchman Prophet word. And, uh, and if you want to watch it, it's on my YouTube channel, which is called Apostle Ken. You can go there and you can and watch it. Uh, it's called Identifying the Watchman Prophet. I would encourage you to do that because I'm not going to recap what I did last Sunday. I'm going to move today under the same thing of unpackaging this Watchman Prophet because I really feel like it's a very important word from the Lord right now for the body of Christ, especially here but all over Florida, that God has called us to be Watchman Prophet. And, uh, and so Watchman Prophet is just... They, they are the seer eyes of the Lord in the earth. And it's very important that we begin seeing what the Lord wants us to see. Not seeing the way that our carnality sees or, or the way that we want to see, but begin seeing things the way God wants to see. A lot of your traditionalists in the churches today, and in some ways I am a traditionalist, but in this way I'm not. <clears throat> they think that America is going to hell in a handbasket. I think we're stepping into the greatest move of God that we've ever seen on this planet. And it all depends on how you view it. I'm viewing it from the perspective of redemption. Other people review it from the perspective of judgment or, or hell. I see that God is going to, does that mean that there won't be judgment? No, it doesn't mean that. But I believe that we're going to see one of the greatest revivals that will that will be greater than the first and the second great awakening combined. That will be a third great awakening. It will not be contained in one local church, nor will it be contained in any churches. It will be a move of God, like in the Hebrides, is happening everywhere. If you ever study the Hebrides revival, you will find that people were on the side of the road, never having been preached to, not in a church, and were there crying out to God to, and for asking forgiveness of their sin. The police station at that time was filled. This is back 1948 to 1952. The police station was filled with people who didn't know what to do, so they went to the police station because they, they had such a desire to come to the Lord. When the, when the um, blacksmith, they had a prayer meeting, and the blacksmith of the town there in the Hebrides cried out to God and he said, Oh Lord, your reputation is at stake. He, he shifted all the responsibility, not on the people of the Hebrides, but he shifted on to the Lord. Because see, you, can, you and I can't bring revival. All we can do is become vessels that say, God, we need you to bring revival in this earth. And when he prayed that and he said, Lord, your reputation is at stake, he put the responsibility on the Lord. And if you go and read the recording, uh, read the uh, uh, transcripts of different people that recorded this, not on, not on uh, tape or anything, you will hear them talking about the dishes in the cupboard shaking across the entire island as God's presence showed up. That's how I view what God is going to do in America and in the world. I don't view it from the, from the judgment perspective or that America's going to hell in a handbasket. And, 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 and there is a darkness that's over the land. It's a darkness over the world, not just in America. It's a darkness that's over us. However, Isaiah 61 promises to us 
that when deep darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, the Lord and his light will arise over you and the nations will come to the brightness of your coming. That's the way I see things. I do have a seer gift. Sometimes it gets muddied up with the things of this world and, and, and things that I'm not called to. But I want to step into that seer gift all the time. Listen, go with me to Proverbs, if you would, chapter 29. Because the watchman prophet has to do with vision. And I really believe that 2019 is going to birth the 2020 vision of next year. 2020 is going to be so important. I, I, I only got this revelation just a few weeks ago. That 2020 will be a time that we will see in the spirit realm like we've never seen before. 2020 will be a time that there will be a manifestation of evil like never before. But you can't get your eyes on that. You have to get your eyes on Jesus and on his purpose. So welcome to my Good Friday non-traditional Passover message. It says here, you know this scripture very well. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. King James says, where there is no vision, that the people perish. This word vision here in the Hebrew is the word chazon. And it means to have sight, dream, or revelation. It's actually revelation that comes by the means of a vision. Let me say that again. It's revelation that comes by means of a vision. Paul talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians 14 that he, he wanted all of us to operate in the prophetic realm. I would that you all would prophesy is what he said. I take that very seriously. And you have to bring that whole chapter into context that he wants everyone operating in the realm of the prophetic. And the seer gift is operating in the realm of the prophetic. I listen to Pam sometimes when she's prophesying. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. But you're seeing things as you prophesy them. Am I correct? A little bit? Okay. Okay. But a seer, I know that when, when I operate in this gift... I see things, and so I'll prophesy what I'm seeing. I'll decree what I'm seeing. And it's a little bit different than the prophet who is prophesying as an oracle, although a watchman prophet is an oracle as well. But it's one who comes to revelation by means of a vision. It has the, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. In Isaiah 1.1, Isaiah says that this is the vision of Isaiah that the Lord gave to him. And Obadiah 1.1, it was the vision of Obadiah, the entire chapter, I mean the entire book, was the vision of Obadiah. In Nahum 1.1, it was the vision of Nahum given by, uh, there it is right there, the oracle of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. And, uh, and, so, and even in Habakkuk 1.1, it talks about, the vision of the Lord, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. 
So these were seer gifts, and there was many more. These are just a few that I wrote down. There were many more of these gifts of the prophets, both major and minor prophets, that came through. The book of Isaiah was an entire vision. I started reading through the, ver the first uh, six or seven chapters of Isaiah today and was just blown away, especially when he gets to Isaiah 6. And he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, train filled the temple. And he goes on, and in this vision, he tells what he hears in the vision. And the whole book of Isaiah becomes a vision of the Lord that's unfolded and, uh, to Isaiah, and he begins writing it down. And so there's probably some of you here that have this gift. You just didn't realize it because you were seeing things. I was telling someone recently, before I even got saved, there was things that I knew, things that I would see. Just take, for example, this is before I was even saved. For example, I had, my, I, my dad worked for his dad, and I worked for my granddad. My granddad had a full-service gas station. My dad had a shop beside my granddad, a mechanic shop. And he worked for my granddad, and I went to work for my granddad when I was 11, but along about... 16 years old, 15 or 16, I saw my dad moving and getting his own business and getting out from under my granddad. I knew this was going to happen, and I knew that when this happened, I was going to go with my dad. And so, lo and behold, if it didn't happen, I had seen that in the Spirit. And many times, people will have a gift given to them from the Lord before they're even saved. And God will redeem that gift. I'll give you an example of this, and some of you may listen to her, you may not. Uh, but it's the female artist, Adele. She has a gift from the Lord. And when this girl opens her mouth, you can hear the anointing that comes out on this gift. However, she needs to get saved. And then that gift would be used for the Lord. But if you go and listen to her, you can hear the anointing that is on her. Many other artists are that way as well. <clears throat> I say all the time that sometimes Hollywood prophesies more than the church does. They prophesy more than the church. You'll see a, a movie come out. And, and by the way, Mel Gibson is coming out with a sequel to The Passion of Christ. And it's called The Resurrection. And Jim Cavelli, he's going to star in it just like he did in the Passion of Christ. And I can't wait for this to get out there. And we need to pray for Mel Gibson that he does not lose his way this time. <clears throat> so this watchman prophet gift causes you to see things the way heaven sees them. Give you another example of this, and I brought this out last week. In Ezekiel 37, the prophet Ezekiel saw... A valley of dry bones because the Lord asked him he said he didn't ask him what do you hear he said what do you see and we'll look at some more places where this happens he said what do you see and so the prophet says I see a valley of dry bones and they are very dry it'd be really easy for you and I to prophesy out of what we saw there he was seeing one thing. He was seeing one thing. God was seeing an army. He saw a valley of dry bones. God saw a mighty army. 
And so two different things were happening there. He wanted him to see the valley of dry bones, but he couldn't stay there. And I, I, let's just turn over there. We'll come back in a minute to where I want to go. But I want to turn over to Ezekiel 37. This is a powerful word. I've often gotten lost in this whole chapter here. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of what? Bones. That means dead people. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, <clears throat> thou knowest. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is powerful, because we have a tendency in our carnal state to prophesy what Fox News is prophesying, or prophesy what CNN is prophesying, or MSNBC. We have a tendency to prophesy what's going on in the world rather than prophesying the word of the Lord or prophesying what the Lord is seeing. And that's where we have to shift gears. And there's, there's no way that you can make me believe that Fox News doesn't slant their news the same way that CNN slants theirs. They're both just slanted in a different direction. And somewhere in the middle, there's truth. But both of them slant it. And so I don't trust either one of them, to be honest with you. Because when you listen to them long enough, even if you're listening to Fox, and this happened to me, you listen to Fox, all of a sudden, you'll believe that there's no hope for America. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I took a four-year sabbatical or fast from the news for four years from 2008 to 2012. Because in 2008, I saw, I, I was a news junkie, and I saw that it was affecting my vision. I had come to the place I didn't believe that I would see revival in my generation. This is just after Obama went into office. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to fast the news. And so I fasted this news for four years. And I, it wasn't long that I stepped completely out of the vision that Fox had, the vision that CNN had, or the vision that the world has, or the vision that tradition has, the vision that religion has. You step completely out of that when you begin moving yourself away from that. And you begin seeing the way heaven sees. And so he said to him, he said, he said, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter in you that you may come to life. See, he's speaking what the Lord is, is, is saying. And he says, And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, here's what's so key. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And this is what a watchman prophet does. A watchman prophet prophesies what the Lord is showing them, not what the world is showing them, not what religion is showing them. Re religion will, will tell you, you shouldn't do a Friday night service. You should have it on Sunday. 
I was asked this in a pastor's prayer a few weeks ago when I walked into the prayer. It was over at Tim Franklin's prayer that happens every week on Thursdays. And so I walked in there and they said, we hear you're going to Friday nights. And I said, yeah. Well, what made you want to do that? We said, I said, well, we felt like it was the Lord. We felt like the Lord heard up from us. And, I, and they said, well, what about the people in the church? What are they saying? I said, I've not had one negative word come to me about it. And that's true. I haven't had. There may be some floating out there, but they haven't gotten to me uh, because I would just share with you the vision of the Lord if it came to me, okay? I would say, this is the Lord's vision. And then one of the pastors said, well, what about those who want to go to church on Sunday? Now, we're about to really leave tradition in the dust here. What about those who want to go to church on Sunday? I said, do you realize how many churches there are in the region? There's plenty of churches for them to go to. And so tradition would say you don't leave Sunday. But the word of the Lord says you leave it and you go to Friday. And I love it. I got one or two amens out of that. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And what happened here, because the prophet was prophesying as he was commanded, all of a sudden, shifting took place in the atmosphere. Now, here's how you know when you have a word from the Lord, is that when you have a word from the Lord, or when you're prophesying out of your seer gift, it affects the atmosphere, and things begin to shift and change. That's how you can know. When you've got a dream from the Lord, or when you've got a vision from the Lord, or when you have a word from the Lord, when you say it, things begin shifting and changing. We're not talking about, we're not talking about mamby-pamby prophecy. We're not talking about mamby-pamby visions. We're talking about strategic visions. That shifts territories and regions. You should purchase a book by Apostle Jonathan David. I think he's from South Africa. It's the first book I read on the apostolic. He's got a book called Apostolic Strategies Affecting Nations. And he talks about strategic things in this book that's really powerful. And one of the things that we as a body have to begin doing, we have to move away from a total being totally consumed with personal prophecy to prophecy visions and words that affect a state or affect a nation so we're used to thus saith the lord i've got a word for you today kendall thus saith the lord we give that to him and that affects him but it doesn't affect florida and so there's nothing wrong with giving that but we don't want to just be that we want to step into a higher realm where we're prophesying and affecting nations. This is what I want the prophet here to do, is to move into a place where we're prophesying over Florida, we're prophesying over the space coast, we're shifting atmospheres, we're making apostolic decrees that alters the structure of the state, alters the structure of the space coast, alters the structure of the house. And that's what the prophetic is supposed to do. See, to the prophetic, everything's prophetic. But to the pathetic, 
It goes on to say here, he says, Behold, I looked, verse 8, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me. I love this. So here we have it again. He prophesied as he was commanded, and he says, uh, and breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Everything shifted. Now, just to show you an example here, Chuck operates a lot of times out of the seer gift. When he was here with us back in October, he's sitting right there, and he looks over at me, and he says, I'm seeing, just to me, I'm seeing. Yeah, what are you seeing, Chuck? <laughs> he, said, I, he said, I'll tell it when I get up there. But he was seeing the wind of the Spirit blowing on both coasts of Florida. And the Lord gave them the word coastal awakening. He says, I see this on both coasts. So he, would, he prophesied what he was seeing. If you go and read the prophetic word, he would say, he would say this is what I see. And this is what I believe is happening. Give you another example of Chuck. This was back when Saddam Hussein was in Tikrit. And in Tikrit, he was stuck in a hole in the ground, but nobody knew it. Tikrit was his hometown. So Dutch and Chuck are in Texas, in San Antonio. And as Dutch is up preaching, and Chuck's sitting down there, and he says, I've got a word, I've got to give it right now, I've got to give it right now. Well, normally, if it had been somebody else, Dutch would have said, sit down. But it was Chuck, and he trusts Chuck, so do I. And Chuck jumps up, and he says, within seven days, Saddam Hussein will be pulled out of a rat's hole. And, and uh, what else was it? Anyway, all of a sudden, they, Dutch stops preaching. He told Dutch to decree it, so Dutch begins decreeing it. And he has, this is a, I think this was a 101st Airborne town. So anyway, a major something like that from the 101st Airborne comes up on the platform and begins decreeing that Saddam Hussein will be put out of the rat's hole within seven days. And lo and behold, if that didn't happen. And the 101st Airborne were part of the division that found Saddam Hussein in his hometown in a hole in the ground, covered over, and had billions of American dollars in bales inside this hole in the ground waiting for the war to end, but the war wasn't going to end because God hadn't got him yet, but God got him. So that's kind of an example of the way that people see things and hear things. Now, and so we need to begin prophesying as the Lord commands us. Now, turning your Bibles to Zechariah 4. Zechariah is one of my favorite scriptures, our favorite books. Dutch ragged me one time because some meeting we were in, they had all the, I was one of the speakers, but they had all the major people up on the front row, and I was on the second row. And so he, Dutch and I are sarcastic with each other. So if you ever, we, we had a great time last week. But you think sometimes that we hate each other, but we really don't. We love each other deeply. 
So he leans over and he looks at me. He said, major prophets, minor prophets. <laughs> I said to him, I said, you know, you're right. But if you look in the scriptures, all the mighty prophets, all the minor prophets got the, the move of God. They got the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I said, the major prophets, they walked around naked. <laughs> Talking about Jeremiah. Seeing the way heaven sees is very important. In Zechariah, the fourth chapter, I want you to read this. We're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who is awakened from sleep. This is an important verse right here. The angel of the Lord comes and he says, Wake up. I want to show you something. Wake up. I want you to see something. So he rouses him. He awakens him. He's awakened. Say awakened. This is what is happening everywhere in the earth today, is that people are being awakened. They're coming out of their own misery. They're coming out of their own uh, 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 self-seclusion, and all of a sudden they're being awakened. They're coming out of their trauma, and they're beginning to see things totally different. And he says to him in verse 2, what do you see? And he said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with it with its bowls on the top of it, and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts, belonging to each of the lamps which is on the top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl, and the other on the left side. Then I answered and said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and you will bring forth a top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things, but these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which reign to and fro throughout the earth. Now, I love this verse of Scripture here, these Scriptures, because the, the setting here is a setting in which it was time to rebuild the temple. And the foundation had been laid, but it had been 16 years since anything was done on that foundation. When you read all of these scriptures about this foundation, you'll find that foxes had made dens on there. The birds of the air had made nests on the foundation. Uh, all of a sudden, for 16 years, something had set in. Discouragement, depression, oppression, trauma, or something. Enemies had set in. And they had not worked on that foundation for 16 years. And then the Lord stirs up the spirit of Haggai, stirs the spirit up of Zechariah. And these two prophets come and they begin prophesying what, the, what they're seeing from the Lord. They begin releasing that. And it gets down here and it says, this is how this temple is going to be rebuilt. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power, but it's going to be my spirit, says the Lord. And there's times that things are delayed. But there's also times that things come into place to where they're restored. 
One of the things we need to realize in the timing of the Lord or the cycles of the Lord, even if something gets off track, God has a plan always to bring it back on track. Even if you get on, off track, God has a plan to bring you back on track. He's not going to leave you without. God has a plan to bring the Space Coast back on track. That's part of the reasons why, reason I'm here. Not just for space, for Space Coast, but also for Florida. He wants to get this region back on track. He wants this region to become an awakening region. See, in this watchman prophet thing, Chuck prophesied it. He said, Florida will become a model. This was the first place that he released that watchman prophet word, which lays great responsibility on you and I. That means we've got to walk outside now of our trauma, stop talking about our trauma, and move into the place where we begin seeing things the way the Lord sees and begin prophesying that. The forerunner state is now a watchman prophet state. It's what the Lord is saying. And so, here again, he's, he's showing Zechariah how to see the way heaven sees. No longer was he seeing the foundation that wasn't laid. He's now seeing the capstones coming out of the mountain, the quarry stones coming out of the mountain, and say, you're going to shout. The way you're going to get them is you're going to shout grace, grace, grace into this mountain. That's how you're going to get it. So you start crying grace to those quarry stones. And he says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands will finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Haggai comes along and he starts saying something simpler, similar. And he put in, but his words shifts the people from faith only into faith with works. Haggai's word does. It says that the spirit of the people were stirred. Spirit of Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah. The spirit of Joshua, the high priest, was stirred. Not the same Joshua in Moses' day. And the remnant of the people was stirred. Here, here's, here's three levels of stirring. I want you to see this. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah, so civil government was stirred. Joshua was the high priest, so the church was stirred. The, the, the leadership of the church was stirred. And then the remnant of the people was stirred, which is you. So you have to have each one bringing a third to the table. You have to have all of them. One of the things I know, I know for sure is that you will never see revival come through celebrity ministers. It will come on the shoulders of the ministers and the priests and the people and the remnant, the government leaders that you can gather together. It will come in on their shoulders. And whether you know it or not, I hope you know it. There is more prayer that goes on in the Capitol from week to week in Washington, D.C. and in Tallahassee that's ever gone on in its history. More prayer going on right now. There are people, even as we speak, that are up there right now, and they're praying somewhere around that capital. Either today or tonight, they're up there praying. And it just leads me to believe that where people are praying, we're going to see a move of God. You may or may not be aware of this, 
that there used to be Sunday school every Sunday morning in the old Senate chambers, which was a small chamber. It was smaller than this building here, uh, this room here. And a Sunday school went on. It was first taught by our first chief justice, which I think was John Jay, I believe. It was first taught by him. And that day, now get this, the Supreme Court's room that they met in was no bigger than the women's bathroom. But there, there wasn't none there either. And that there's been a shift in power to where now they have more control than the Congress and the President. It's supposed to be three equal branches. I'm, but I'm saying all this to tell you that there's a lot of prayer going on up there all the time. Do not lose hope in America or in our government. And you may think that Trump shouldn't be saying what he's saying. But I will tell you this, that he's keeping us this time in a posture of prayer. Where before when Republicans win an election, we just sat down and we quit praying. This time, that's not happening. We're praying like never before. But one of the reasons I'm praying is because I see that darkness wants to overtake America. And finally, we've got a president. And, and again, I don't like all of his words that he says either. But we have a president that will fight against that darkness and not back down. He's not some mamby-pamby statesman. He's actually a guy who will go to the fight. And if there's not one going on, he'll make one. Okay. When he uses the word here, what do you see in, in, uh, in verse 2? It's the word rara, rara, R-A-W-R-A is how it's pronounced. It's spelled R-A-A-H. And it means this. To see outside of oneself. Now, I love this because it then takes your vision. It, 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 it separates your soul from your vision. I, I think Jane talked about it, or somebody did, where it says in Hebrews 4.12 uh, that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, or the body. And... When a person's walking in the seer gift, they're seeing outside their problems. They're not looking at their problems. They're seeing what the Lord wants to see. They're seeing outside of the problems going on around them. They're seeing what the Lord wants to see. <clears throat> Good word, Ken. Thank you. We have to begin seeing outside of ourselves. We need to, we need to break out of this total seclusion of being introverted now i know there are people who are introverted but don't let it become such an introversion on you that you can't break out and see beyond yourself break some of it off at least when the bible says in genesis 1 god said let us make man in our image and after our likeness and when you start looking at that you begin seeing things differently. You begin viewing yourself differently. That you've been made in the image of God. 
All right. First Chronicles 12, 32, and I'm going to bring this into one of my many closings. Jane made this statement, I believe it to be true, that watchmen prophets watch over the times. And I love this. Here in First Chronicles 12, 32, it talks about the tribe of Ishakar. I have a whole teaching, about six hours on the sons of Ishakar. These were men who understood what? The times. They understood the times. One translation says, and seasons. You could also, I take it beyond just the times of the feast. Now, some uh, Hebraic type people would say, this is talking only about the feast. And I disagree with that. Because they understood the times. They understood when it was time to go to war. They understood when it was time not to go to war. They understood when it was time to rest. They understood all of these times. I believe it was more of a, not just a natural discernment of discerning, well, we're going to do this at this feast. I believe there was a spiritual discernment there concerning time. In Genesis 8:22, God says this, from now on, there will be winter and summer hot and cold he was putting seasons into play god operates in in times of cycle not times of you know god's not linear in time we tend to think linear in time but if you look at it as the seasons of winter spring summer fall all of that is in a cycle and if you start looking at the lord in that same cycle that's the way he operates he operates in cycles america is due for a second great awakening the prophets the apostles they're all prophesying about it that we're in the beginning stages of this second great awakening that we're going to step into this second or this third great awakening i'm sorry third great awakening and it's because somebody's watching over the times these men these women they're watching over the times the sons of ishakar understood the times with the knowledge of what Israel should do. It goes on to tell how many there were. In Habakkuk, turn with me there. We're going to watch over the times over in Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will, watch, I will keep watch to see, as that word rara, rara, Again, which means to see outside oneself. He's saying there, I will keep watch to see outside myself. And how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. And this is one of the things that you need to do within your life. Is to record the vision of the Lord so that you can begin reading it and running with it. He says, inscribe it on tablets. That means get it on your iPhone, your iPad. Write it down on paper. Get it somewhere where you can read it. That the one who reads it may run. For the vision is for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail. Now, one of the reasons that you need to publish it and get it on where you can read it, and, and just like right here in my Bible, I've got stuff written here. Right here, I've got stuff written here. One of these days... This Bible is going to be passed down to another generation, and they're going to look at that, and they're going to say, Ken inscribed the vision on a tablet called the Bible. 
And all of a sudden, they're going to read this, and they're going to say, that's who I am. I'm going to run with this. Give you an example of this. Do you know where, do you know where uh, Kenneth Hagin got his faith message from? E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon was a long time before Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was one of the greatest fathers of the faith and of the faith message. As a matter of fact, before his death, he called all the faith preachers in. I could, I, every one of you here, if I name their names, you'll know them. And he told them, he said, you have perverted the faith message. He was rebuking them before his death. But he got his message from E.W. Kenyon. Because E.W. Kenyon recorded his message, put it on, into words. He, he begins reading it, and all of a sudden, Kenneth Hagin is running with it. We do the same thing on YouTube, same thing tonight on Facebook. We're getting the word down. We're getting it out where people can begin running with it. And you always have to run with something that's beyond you. See, if you can accomplish your vision, you don't even have a vision. You just have something else to do. I'll say that again. If you can accomplish your vision, then you really don't have a vision. You just have something else to do. Because a real vision will put you outside of your comfort zone into something you cannot do without the help of the Lord. It's a good word. Wow. He says, the vision is yet for an appointed time. Say appointed time. Now, many times we put appointed times way off out in the future out there. What if the appointed time is 30 seconds from now? What if the appointed time is right now? And it becomes... Now time. That's Bryant's word. I have it written here. Now is the time. Bryant Lowry. <laughs> that was the word he gave to me a couple of weeks ago. Now I have credited him for that twice. It's mine now. I won't credit him anymore. <laughs> this word see here, when, the, when Habakkuk, it's saying, I will watch to see. It's a different word. It's the word chazon. And it means revelation by vision. But when you get into verse 3, he talks about in the latter part of verse 3, he says this. He starts making this decree, a decree that we need to make, Pam, is this right here. It will not delay. No more delay. No more delay. And what the Lord plans to do. I decree there will be no more delay. It's not way out there. It's now. There will be no more delay. I'm bringing it into now time. And you can do that. It's just like Peter and John going up to the gate called Beautiful. Time shifted for one man. It shifted for the entire church. Because Peter and John walk up there and this man sitting there. He's been lame from his mother's womb. Don't know why. But he's laid there daily. And Jesus walks past this man. You didn't even think about that. Jesus saw this man. He walks past him, never heals him. Because there's a time for that. And so Peter and John walk along at this gate called Beautiful. And they see this man there begging for alms. Peter says, I don't have any money. But what I do have, what I have inside of me. The power of God that's in me, the same Holy Ghost that's in you, what I do have in me, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. 
man didn't do anything, so Peter grabs him by the hand and lifts him up and pulls him out of a time of infirmity into a now time of healing. Peter could have walked by that man and said, nah, even though I'm feeling moved on by the Lord right now, nah, there's too many people around watching. Nah, I'm not going to do it. I know none of you are ever like that. Peter was. He denied the Lord three times, took off running when they said, hey, you want you with him? But he grabs him and pulls him out of the time of infirmity and pulls him through the gate called beautiful. And I want you to get this. He pulls him through what we call the gate beautiful, but in that day it was a gate called horaios, the Greek word for right time. It's not the word for beautiful. It's the word for right time. Only what makes it beautiful is that what happens at the right time. Peter pulls him from a time of infirmity into a right time or a now time of healing. Peter had already seen that. He's seen in the spirit realm. I don't have, look at the boldness of this guy. Can I pray for you? Would you let me to pray for you? No, he walks up to him and says, hey, dude, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Didn't, didn't ask him. He didn't ask him if he could pray for him. He just did it. There was a boldness on him. No more delay. There is now a kairos time on us, a horaios time on us. Kairos is opportune time. There's a plerao time on us, P-L-E-R-O-O, which means fullness of time. There is a suddenly time that is on us, and there is a now time that is on us right now. So the way that you're going to avoid frustration, and I will close with this, is that you're going to move and change the way that you see. You're going to avoid frustration by getting out of your carnality and get over into seeing in the Spirit. Amen. You move from here over to here. You just make that move. You start making a shift. I am moving out of myself. I'm moving over here into the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to see things the way the Lord sees them. This is where I try to stay. I try to stay in the heavens. There's things that pull me back down from time to time. But just as soon as I can shake myself from that stuff, I'm moving right back up here so I can see the way heaven sees. That's, that's why I don't like counseling people because it gets me down here. I want to be up here. Amen. All right, stand to your feet.